I almost spent $200 on a Back to the Future DeLorean yesterday. <clears throat> you should have. Liz said no. I'm sorry. Welcome back to the Other Side of Grace podcast. I'm Matt. I'm David. And uh, in case you were wondering, this is the start of season two. Uh, it has been three, three long months that we've both been wandering in a spiritual desert simply because we haven't posted any kind of podcast. And maybe you've been wandering through a spiritual desert too. Maybe you have felt like... Ooh. Because today we're talking about emotions. Yay, feelings. I hate them. <laughs> They're so beautiful. Yeah. It makes me cry every time I think about them. I don't want to do this anymore. Feelings. Here we go! <laughs> time for first sips. I think so too. Let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, David, do you feel anything? I ever feel the warmth of that coffee going down my esophagus and that's pretty much it. Call me out, huh? I'm not calling me out. I'm my not emotions. calling out. I'm just asking. You know, I do feel things. Okay. What do you feel, feel things? What do you feel right now? Wow. Right now, as in this very moment. Yes. <laughs> Why is that such a difficult question? Because <laughs> that makes me have to think about how I'm feeling and well, wonder, like, no, am no, I no. actually feeling this way or am no, I just... No, 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 no. No, there's no thinking with emotions nowadays. It's just what you feel is what is your truth. You're right. So I could, I could lean into the, uh, I'm not really feeling anything. I feel like an absent canvas just, you know, waiting for emotion and life and happiness and joy that's never going to come. Or I could lean into the other fact, the other side of that. I'm feeling kind of happy that I get to sit here with my friend and talk about feelings. <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's do the second one. Okay, let's do the, let's second, do the one. second one. So today we are, yes, we are discussing emotions. Um, it's, it comes from a meditation that was my second meditation now that I am a writer. I'm a writer now. <clears throat> you um, too can aspire to be a writing greatness and be on our show. So now it comes from a meditation that I uh, had written called When Our Emotions Play God. And I uh, wrote it back in February. You can find it on theothersideofgrace.com. But today we're going to verbalize it for you, dive a little deeper than the article probably went, and uh, see, where, see where it goes. And so um, everybody has emotions, right? Yes. Despite your sarcasm, you do have <clears throat> emotions. Um, you know, what are, what are some of your typical emotions you experience in a given, given day? In a given day? I would say they range from anything from uh, just... Is groggy an emotion? Grumpy, uh, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Yeah. yeah, I wake up grumpy because I never sleep enough. Mm. And then coffee makes me feel better. Amen. And then I deal with anything from joy and laughter to playful cheesiness to frustration to anger, all in a given day. To downright depression. 
I mean, you I, go, you go the full pendulum. Well, if you, we we can we can go there. Yeah, no, sure. I, I no, don't want to. I usually don't. That's just, good. I like just the edge of depression, and I'm like, nah, I'll back off, and then I'll, yeah. Good sarcasm. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yes, I too, uh, as a man, wildly enough, as a man, have emotions. I. I think that's, I don't know if that's a new thing anymore. Are we Are we still living in like the early 2000s where it was uh, not okay for men to have emotions? You know, cause I feel like with things nowadays, <clears throat> it's, it's probably okay to have emotions as a man. I think, yeah, I think there's a trend to, to kind of say it's okay to have emotions. Which is nice, like, let's just be honest. It's, it's a nice flip of the script. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. But I think even though we're allowed Mm -hmm. technically, culturally, yeah. to have emotions, uh, to actually show certain emotions publicly uh, is still kind of considered unmasculine. True. That is um, true. Yep. So interesting. Interesting yeah. you say that. Yeah. So today we want to dive into two different sections because everybody has emotions. I think that's that's pretty simple to say. Everybody has emotions. The question is not, do you have emotions? The question is, what do you do with them? Uh, because I think nowadays there is a giant pull towards uh, emotions only with no truth. And then on the other extreme, there's only truth and no emotions. And so uh, we'd like to try and figure out if there is a happy middle ground that we can settle into. Uh, and then what does the Bible say? So first section, understanding emotions biblically. And then secondly, understanding emotions practically. Uh, so if you're ready, let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. All right. So my son, uh, the, the first example that I gave in this article is my son is now, you know, at the time he was almost seven months old. He's now eight months old tomorrow. So that's wild. Congratulations. Thank you. We've made it this far. Lots of prayer. But mm -hmm. so anyways, my son is emotional. Yeah. He has a wide range of emotions. Uh, he is also very loud with his emotions. He takes after his dad, for sure. Uh, but usually we've narrowed it down to him uh, in three different scenarios is why he's probably emotional. One, he's hungry, right? Who doesn't? I mean, do you get emotional when you get hungry? Yes. Yeah. Hangry is a real thing. Hangry. Yeah. Two, he's <clears throat> emotional when he's tired. And we've already seen that David is grumpy when he's tired, so. It's true. And then three, he needs a diaper change. Do you ever need a diaper change? <laughs> Don't answer that. Yeah, um, <laughs> my depends are in the back. Um. <laughs> so nonetheless, hunger, exhaustion, and a dirty diaper. Shocker, I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's an eight month old. What else, what else does he have Just to do? Just wait till they get to two or three. I don't want to hear it. Um, so anyways, I've, I've met babies, I talk about this in the article, I've met babies whose screams are muffled, who they barely sound like a whimper. Uh, he is full vocal. He is learning the extent of his vocal range. Uh, the Lord has blessed him with that. Uh, ridiculous is a word that I would sometimes use to describe my son's emotions. Is that harsh? No. No? No. Okay. Why do you, why? <clears throat> because... That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yes, it's I think, harsh. <laughs> it's, it's a little harsh considering it's a baby, but emotions, when we are um, feeding off of our emotions without using reason, mm -hmm. they are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And they come across as ridiculous. Yep. Which is crazy you mentioned that. Why? Because in that moment, 
I, being the somewhat relatively mature adult, understand that in those three situations, his needs will be met. He will have his hunger cured by a bottle. Um, he is definitely going to go down for a nap. Uh, and then his diaper will be changed. So in all three situations, I know from the outside looking in that he will be satisfied and taken care of. But obviously, uh, Alistair does not. He is only going off of what he is experiencing in the moment, what everything inside of him is telling him. Why? Because he doesn't know any better yet. Uh, and so I think to start off, that's a good kind of starting point to say that uh, there's the difference between truth and emotions. There's the difference between how we align ourselves with either side and how we relate specifically to God. Do we rely on our experiences or the truth? Because there are parties who say it's only one or the other. And then of course there are those who say it's both. What are your thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think it's interesting because we obviously live in, um, in the world systems that were that are play around us, whether that's our cultural world system or our family world system, um, our religious world system. And those impact the way we view our emotions. Um, so our culture right now, America, uh, especially kind of this postmodern culture that we live in is telling us, um, that it's, it's okay to feel the way you feel and that's who you are, mm -hmm. right? So that is a world system that we're working in. So if I feel rejected all the time, then if I'm listening to the world system, that's gonna be who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm just a rejected person. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to start behaving like I'm just rejected. I mean, you can replace the word rejected with a plethora of emotions. I'm just using that for an example. Um, so we start forming our identity around the way we feel. And that's bypassing any reason or logic. Um, but I would argue too that <clears throat> truth, at least biblical truth, which is to me the only truth, is not even going to play a factor in until we believe because mm -hmm. until we have encountered truth for ourselves we have nothing to tell us that what the world is saying is not true mm -hmm. um, yeah with aj in that same illustration aj is only operating off of what he knows but the uh but the presence of a mother or father figure in that person's life stands as exactly what you're saying that right. objective model of hey Here's the anchor, right? Yeah. This is what you're feeling, but here's the anchor. I like that because, of course, we need to set the tone and to say, yes, there are cultural battles happening. Um, we can't expect individuals who don't believe what we believe to act the way we act. Right. So this really has to start with us. Right. Starts here with us. Um, I like what you said just about the identity and the emotions, and you see that even seeping into the church, right? Where uh, secular society is, is starting to take its its hold on the church culture. Right. Um, these are things that we probably wouldn't say within the church, but you know we can find find cute phrases from people to you know justify. Uh, do what makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, have it your way. 
just do it. You know, of course, those are uh, slogans from. Um, yeah, about the, the bum 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 bum. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, which is the American gospel. Yeah, right. Um, you know, our emotions are king. We live and die by how we feel, regardless of what the truth is. Uh, and so if it makes you feel sad nowadays, if it makes you feel sad, drown it out. Right. Um, if it makes you feel mad, then fight it, yeah. you know, fight whatever it is. And if it makes you, um, uh, if it makes you happy, indulge in it. That's the yeah. last one I had. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the, the lies that see American church culture, especially is that if you are a Christian, you should always be happy mm -hmm. and bubbly yeah. and like yeah. enthusiastic and encouraging and that's just not joy. yeah I mean no I think that's actually they're confusing joy with happiness yeah um, they're they're expecting <clears throat> Christians to be happy all the time and Christians believe that they're supposed to be happy all the time if they're mm -hmm. feeling sad or depressed mm -hmm. something must be wrong with right. them they're not living their faith the way they're supposed to be um, or something is wrong with God <clears throat> or something is wrong with God exactly and so there again, we get our identity from a feeling mm -hmm. of what, or a reflection of a feeling we're supposed to be living out constantly, mm -hmm. which joy is totally different than happiness. Mm -hmm. I can be in the midst of the biggest turmoil and cry my eyes out because I'm so sad and still have joy in the Lord because I know he's right there with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this, the way that current churches and this is a generalization. I'm not calling anyone out specifically. I do have a few in mind, but I won't say them. But the way that the majority of our churches operate nowadays is not helping. They're not helping this um, dichotomy, this war, so to speak, between the emotions and the truth. Why? Because nowadays churches, uh, their Sunday services are being labeled as experiences. Mm -hmm. Come and experience God experience the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a, a friend the other day, uh, and when you know we say that, we go into church, it was like, wow, I really felt the, the Holy Spirit really showed up today. <clears throat> yeah. Wait a second, no, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is always present. Right. Even in the most mundane of tasks, what you experienced was this emotional high. Yeah. So you start attributing these emotional peaks to, oh, God is here, so that when those emotions go, away you're like oh god is gone yeah so it's not helping because sunday services being labeled as experiences worship music <laughs> it's a touchy subject yeah. yeah i love worship music mm -hmm. and i volunteer on the worship team in our church and you know i love the the it okay i love the emotional manipulation mm. that worship music can do Oof. but that's a that's a tough word right emotional yeah. manipulation because Worship music is designed, music in general, mm -hmm. like you can listen to any form of music yep. and it hits certain emotional notes within you. Oh, yeah. And it might hit you different than it's going to hit me, mm -hmm. but we're both going to feel an emotional outcome of music. In fact, if we don't feel emotional attachment to the music, we're not going to listen to it again. Right. Um, so worship music is designed specifically to hit emotional cues mm -hmm. and so it is kind of a form of emotional music worship leaders try and explain it away as we're just leaving we're we're using this as a way to um essentially lead people in to experiencing the holy mm -hmm. spirit mm -hmm. where it can be dangerous though is where we forget that we're just leading people towards the spirit mm -hmm. and instead we're we're making people think that they can only feel the spirit yeah 
in that emotion, if that makes sense. It does. The yeah. way, and I will spend very few minutes on this, but the way that I was trained, I've done worship uh, leading in any fashion for 15, 16 years. The way I was trained when I first came into it was to say, here's the flow of the service, right? And it was, you know, A, B, C, D, E, yeah. every single time. You start with a high song because not everybody's in there, but hey, it's a cue to get everybody in. It's high, it's energetic. We're, we're ushering in the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, you know, it's also a cue for people to come take their seats. And then the pastor gets up, welcomes everybody. Uh, and then you've got, it depends, you know, every church is different, but one to three songs in the middle there. And those three songs are then geared to point the people in the direction of the sermon. So a lot of songs you will find uh, may have similar themes, tones, um, but usually how I was trained was there's this descending effect. So you start high, by the time you get to the sermon, you're down here at a middle or lower point because now you're focused in. And then at the end, depending on the emotions of the sermon, you either end higher and low. Right. Um, and so, you know, I don't know that there's anything particularly wrong with that because I love what you said. Um, music is emotional. Yeah. Music, the book of Psalms, is one very long book yeah. of emotions through music. And so it's not a bad thing. Unfortunately, I think some people have taken it to manipulate right. and to um, create this end goal that people have more faith in than they do God. Right. They have more faith in what a church made them feel than they do the word that God had spoken. Um, and then, of course, the lyrics. The lyrics are hit or miss, depending. Yeah. Uh, and this is universal. It's not just one area. But more often than not, the lyrics nowadays are aimed at, um, you know, making us feel better about ourselves. Uh, lyrics and sermons alike. Sermons also. Uh, some pastors are simply aiming their sermons at placating our emotions to make right. us feel better rather than confronting us with the truth of who God is, what he has done, and what that means for us as a result. So I don't think churches are helping themselves in this, but there may be some churches who don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think, well, there probably are churches who don't care, but I think the, the main point is, is the music is is the experience right right is that actually leading you towards the holy spirit in a way that empowers you to walk out of that building and be um empowered the rest of the week mm -hmm. or is that manipulating you to emotional high mm -hmm. that you feel and then as soon as you leave the room you're back to where you were before. Yep. Um, so I think the difference is, is it empowering and equipping and leading, or is it just mm -hmm. lifting up an emotional moment? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's basically, you're we are being preached at twenty four seven. Yeah. No matter where we go, it's not just the church. I mean, we are being preached some kind of message wherever we go. Um, when we step into the church house for a service. Um, we want to be preached the truth of who yeah. God is, right? Um, and so we are being preached at. The question is, what's the message? And, and what are we hearing? And what are we basing our relationship off of? And let's, because this, this may come across heavy-handed on churches, let's just 
set the record straight. Churches can be well-intentioned. Churches can avoid doing all of these things, and people will still walk away dependent upon their emotions to dictate who God is. So we're not coming down hard on churches. It's just it's not helping. Uh, And my main question is, is this what God intended? For our emotions to be the driving force of defining um, you know our decisions, but more importantly, defining right. God's character. So to to kind of merge your next question with what we were just talking about, when I go into church and I come out of there saying, "Wow, the Spirit moved." Some of that probably had to do with the emotional tones of the music. Some of that had to do with the 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 preaching, if it was convicting to me. Mm-hmm. But if I just felt good after that, I'm going to be like, yeah, that was a good sermon. But if, I, if I'm like, that was a good sermon, the Spirit was there, that's because something actually was spoken to me mm-hmm. in my spirit that made me rethink what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. It challenged me. Right. And it fed me to give me that, that power and the, the equipping right. uh, to, to do what was right afterwards. <clears throat> so um, I think, you know, that's the important part of yes i still felt that emotional high but that emotional high was because the holy spirit was actually convicting me mm-hmm. and not because the music was manipulating sure. me to feel something right you right. know yeah and there seems to be this tension <clears throat> between the two right you know if i'm listening to this i'm asking well how do i know the difference so these perfectly yeah. um you know the first question or the first place that we want to start in the article there are uh, four you know encouragements Um, and first we need to understand our emotions biblically Mm -hmm. you know and so the first way that we kind of started this off was saying that hey first we need to understand and lay this foundation before we decide anything we must lay the foundation that God is a God of emotions and I think you had some biblical examples Um, so I think you know to give us some framework First, God's a God of emotions. Second, we're created in his image, mm-hmm. right? So as being beings created, being beings, that's a fun way to say it. Being as being created in his image, um, we also have emotions. Mm-hmm. So if God, who has never sinned, has emotions, that means emotions are good. And if we, who are created in his image, have emotions, that means our emotions are good so we'll just play it right there so God's emotions and we see examples of this all over scripture let's let's phrase that a different way so okay. I can see it be our emotions can be good yes. like our emotions inherently are not bad but we'll get to yes. why they yes become bad yes. yeah yeah good plug right that's all right yeah. yeah no good I just saw that going down <laughs> a really nasty path <laughs> people with pitchforks are coming after us they're like um, my emotions are perfect <laughs> So yeah, God God shows his emotions all over scripture. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, we see the emotions of God play out in different ways through judgment, uh, through jealousy, through anger, mm-hmm. and through healing and saving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for instance, Israelites were in captivity to, to uh, Egypt for 400 years. Mm-hmm. The book of Exodus opens up, God heard his people's cry. Mm-hmm. And then he moved, he acted upon it. Right. Someone who has no emotion is not going to care if yeah. his children are 
hurting. Right. Right? Right. But a God who loves, which is an emotion mm -hmm. and also a choice, mm -hmm. um, is going to act upon that to save. Mm -hmm. And so he created this the crazy events that led to the Exodus, right? right? And then later on when when Israel's in the desert and they had gotten the uh, the commandments um, and they, they were sinning against God and, and God gets so angry at them and jealous because um, they're sinning and he's like, Moses, I'm just going to wipe them all out and start mm -hmm. all over again, mm -hmm. right? Um, and Moses is like, whoa, 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 God, calm down. Yeah. You know, so there's God's emotions. Um, playing and the righteous emotions you know there's 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 difference between unrighteous emotions and righteous emotions um and moses says remember your love for them essentially mm -hmm. and god's like oh, yeah you're right i do love them i'm not gonna um so we have a beautiful example of of god's emotions right there mm -hmm. And we, we could spend years just talking about that, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of arguments right there in that one little thing, but mm -hmm. we're not going to touch that today. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Jesus, right? Jesus, um, God in the flesh, has examples of emotion uh, when he, in his righteous anger, makes a whip and goes in and knocks out the, um, the, the, the people selling mm -hmm. in the temple. In the temple yeah. um, he was angry. Right. Um, and then, then you see, not so much later, he's weeping because he lost the friend mm -hmm. in Lazarus, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and then, then not even much longer, you see him in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, scared. Mm -hmm. And constantly you see Jesus retreating to a mountainside just to be alone because he's overwhelmed and tired. Mm. All these are emotions, mm -hmm. and the Bible never says any of those are wrong. Right. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> God is holy, mm -hmm. we are not. Right. Jesus was perfect, we are not. Um, so Jesus' suffering, Jesus' um, experience through the full weight of the human emotional um, range was always completely underlined by the fact that he's perfect. Right. You know, and so um, and the Bible says, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. You know, right. so establishing that difference because, you know, uh, we will see these things and understand that Jesus experienced these mm -hmm. and he experienced what we experienced. But right. there is a key difference in that our um, emotions are tainted by something and we'll get to that here in a second yeah. but yeah the Bible I mean Psalm 90 11 says if only we knew the power of your anger your wrath is as great as is the fear that is your due uh, Exodus 25 uh, Nahum 1 2 through 3 the entire book of Revelation uh, those are passages that merely scratch the surface of God's anger towards sin right uh, and towards sinners right. uh, enemies of God and the devil uh, Genesis 6 6 combines his hatred of sin with his sorrow over the state of humankind. Right. Um, and then, of course, John eleven thirty five shows us a softer side. That was when Jesus wept over Lazarus. Right. And then, um, on a brighter note, 
1 Timothy 1.11, Jeremiah 32.41, and John 15.11 are a few passages that illustrate God's uh, happiness, His joy. Um, and even the Bible says that His joy abounds mm-hmm. out of His character. So we have to, we have to paint this full picture, right? Because right. many times people are tempted to paint only one part of the picture. Well, God is only happy and God is only love. Yeah. God is only angry, you know, we can't have... can't have both. Right. Yeah. He is all of these things, and all of these things play together. Right. They don't exist outside of each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, a beautiful example of that is the story of the uh, prodigal son returning. Right. It's a beautiful illustration of God's joy when a child comes home, and then I think later Jesus says, you know, if you only knew the rejoicing that happened in heaven mm-hmm. when one of my children come home. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I think it's <clears throat> safe to say... You know, without going, like you said, too deep into it, God has emotions. The Bible is rife with passages that explain that. So inherently, emotions are not bad. Right. And you've already said it. God created us in his image, Genesis 1:27, and he gave us emotions. So if that's the case, then our emotions are not inherently bad, except, except, do, do, do. We're going to take a break right there and get back to it. that little ad break I don't even know if we had an ad but uh, to get back into the conversation uh, we are sinful Romans 3:23 for all have sinned I, I know yes you are sinful uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and so um, the difference where I said earlier that God is holy and perfect and we are not that is a major difference between the two mm-hmm. and it has drastic implications on the outworking of in this particular case our emotions yeah and so um, sin has a hold on our emotions and that's that's what we're wrestling with yeah. so let's look at you know let's go back to this being created in the image of God because I think this is a good way to frame the conversation when God created us after God created everything right mm-hmm. Uh, he says, after he creates everything, it is good. Mm-hmm. There's one time where he says it's very good, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, and that's after he creates man. Mm-hmm. And he specifically says he's creating mankind in his image. So um, that's a huge conversation. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Um, but what I believe that really means at its heart is that we are spiritual beings who have the ability to reflect the creator in every aspect mm-hmm. um so our emotions are some of those things that we re- re- uh, reflect of our creator mm-hmm. um but when sin entered the world when we decided to um no longer believe the truth eve no longer believed the truth that god said but she was believing the the deception of the serpent mm-hmm. um she replaced the truth for a lie and she started believing the lie and every emotion that followed was a result of believing that lie Mm -hmm. so sin um in that moment corrupted the image of god to the point that we don't recognize the truth without god Mm -hmm. god has to be that anchor that comes in and says 
almost like an outside source, like a third party, because it's no longer, you know, now it's it's us in sin, and it's no longer us and God until we become a Christian, and that mm-hmm. third party comes in as a resource. Yeah, kind of. Um, <clears throat> the problem is not that we have emotions. Yeah. It's that our emotions have been corrupted by sin, and that when we give priority and authority mm-hmm. over the truth, we fall away from God's will. Right. When our emotions become king, mm-hmm. and God is taken off the throne, we find ourselves in some serious hot water. And I think, let's just be honest, I think that's where the majority of us usually find ourselves. It's not just a percentage, it's not, well, these people over here, or these people over here, it's every single one of us, at <laughs> some time or another, has allowed our emotions to play God. Yeah. Um, and then our lives are directed, dictated, and destroyed yeah. by that. Yeah. Um, personal examples, I spent you know 10 years dealing with uh, borderline depression. Uh, I'd say it was depression, but nonetheless, um, uh, went on anxiety medicine, all because 10, 11 years ago, this pattern of what you were talking about earlier, this pattern of rejection started um, being created in my life where I started seeing these puzzle pieces start fitting together that basically said I was not worth people's attention, time, energy, or love. And it wasn't just one person that said that, it was a 10-year process of people continually communicating that, whether through their actions or through their actually spoken words. And so I crafted an identity for myself based on my emotions. Right. And then ultimately the the bottom part of the pit was saying that, well, if, if I'm not lovable enough this way, then God cannot love me. Um, God does not want to love me and I have crossed a line. So therefore God will not yeah. love me. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the key there, because I have plenty of personal examples, the key is when we are not anchored in truth, it is easy for us to um, start believing the deception mm-hmm. and not like not even have the truth in our peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, it's so clouded we don't recognize it as truth. And that's what happened to me. I, I had uh, years of feeling uh, rejection and unlove, and it led me down a slippery slope where I allowed my feelings to dictate my actions, Mm -hmm. where I became addicted to pornography and used that pornography to um, Mm self-medicate, to to feel something good, even though it was just momentary pleasure. Mm -hmm. And and so I started believing that lie, that that was um, okay and acceptable and the only thing that makes me feel loved or valued anymore Mm -hmm. um and and you ask any drug addict or alcoholic um and they'll tell you very similar stories Mm -hmm. with how that mindset of of not being anchored in the truth which is you are a child of god you are loved you are accepted Mm -hmm. you are significant you know not being rooted in that truth but instead believing the lie of i'm not loved Mm -hmm. I'm not valued. I'm not worthwhile. And how that just leads into a slippery slope of sin. And so that that was me acting on my emotions. And that was the enemy using those emotions to pervert what was good, to turn it bad. Yeah, he was lying to you. 
and it can it can play itself out in a lot of different ways. It could be very subtle, you right. know, because obviously, like we go to those extreme examples of porn addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics. Right. Um, you know, there are people uh, who are addicted to social media. Why? Right. Because it gives them some kind of approval that validates what they think about themselves. It right. Validates their emotions to escape from the reality that. Yeah, you know, whatever when you get facing. those little likes or hearts, you feel significant. Yep. Uh, yeah. When people watch this podcast, I know that uh, it, it makes me feel good if I'm on it, um, or if yeah. they read my articles. It's like, oh, validation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's basically when we start crafting our identity outside of the God ordained identity that we were given before time. That's when we start stepping away and start believing the lie of, does God really know what He's doing? Right. Did God really mean what he said? And are you who you are because of your faith in God? Or has something gone wrong? Right. Um, and so there are subtle ways that plays itself out. There are extreme ways, you know, um, easily seen ways right. that plays itself out. But nonetheless, 100% of humanity is corrupted by this. Yes. And we are in a, a war to try and... Um, bridge the gap, so yeah. to speak. But thankfully, Jesus has done that. Yeah. And we have a we have an example of how we can do this. Right. The third point I put on here. Before before okay. we go there, I want to I want to kind of clarify. Um, for instance, you know, a lot of we're feeling a certain way about something, anger or you know bitterness or um, jealousy or whatever that feeling might be. That feeling of in and of itself is not the bad part. People get caught up, I'm feeling this way. Okay, why are you feeling that way? That's important to ask. Mm -hmm. And then go back to scripture and say, what does God say about this? And align your feelings up with scripture. Mm -hmm. Because feelings like sin doesn't become a sin until you act on it. I really believe that. I believe that it's the moment you decide to act a certain way in your feelings that that becomes a sin or an act of righteousness. Mm. Uh, for instance, um, let's just take rejection because we all know this. I used this example earlier. Um, uh, you're rejected in a relationship. You can go and you can act on that emotion of rejection and do a self-spiral down where you are almost um, becoming a toxic person. Mm -hmm. Where you're living your life in a victim mentality and you're blaming other people and you're acting in anger and irrationality. Well, you've made that choice mm -hmm. to act that way. Um, or you could subject your feelings to truth and make the choice to say, okay, this person has abandoned our relationship. Mm -hmm. That is sad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel that sadness, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I am loved and accepted and significant in Christ. Yeah. And I'm going to act that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose to forgive that person and love them as much as I can from a distance and move on, mm -hmm. you know? So there's, there's, it's that decision. Right. And we were talking about this a few minutes ago off camera um, because there's another side of the coin and it just popped into my mm -hmm. head of, and I even saw it this morning, there are two passages that come to mind you know, where Jesus says, whoever hates 
his brother has already committed murder. Right. Uh, whoever looks upon a woman with lust has already committed adultery. Right. And Jesus was very, you know, kind of extreme right. on these things, comparatively speaking. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, hatred is a result of anger, which mm -hmm. is an emotion. Uh, lust can be, actually is an emotion. Yeah, it's a perversion um, of love. You know, so there is a side of that where, okay, that is true. There are some where it's like it's very easy, but in the same way, it just occurred to me too, well, you can be angry yeah. and then choose to hate. Right. You can have the feelings or temptations. You can be tempted to lust and then give in, whether right. that's allowing your mind to wander to those places or actually, you know, going somewhere that you shouldn't. Right. Um, you know, so... Anyways, I, was, I wanted to throw that other side yeah. out there, but then clarify, because I'm sure people will be thinking, but ultimately we will be tempted. Yeah. Our emotions will go astray. And sometimes we can very easily fall into sin, you know, yeah. in some areas. But the temptation is never the sin. It's the action right. of, you know, I can be angry at someone, but then the choosing to hate them. Right. That's where the choice came in. Right. To, yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we see this. Are we good to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Uh, those are good thoughts. I, I just wanted to throw that in there just yeah. to smooth things out a little bit. Well, and, and God always prioritizes the truth over his emotions. Right. Um, I think that's uh, extremely easy to see. In one primary way, he does not always act in accordance with his feelings. Because as you brought up examples earlier, there were times where the Israelites were judged yeah. severely. There were other times where they weren't. Uh, some 38 said, yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. Right. And we're even examples of that. If we have trusted in Christ, we are beneficiaries of God restraining his emotions yeah. because he gave his son, John three sixteen. he gave his son whoever would believe on him. It's not with this caveat of, well, if only you haven't done these things. Right. Um, you know, so we see that God restrains his anger to, or restrains his emotions to act in accordance with his holy character and his divine right. will. Uh, even in the garden, Jesus submitted to the will of God despite how he was feeling. He said, Lord, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. You know, that's right. the humanity of Jesus in the sense of, I don't want to go, I know what I'm about to go through, and I, <laughs> I is there another way? Um, but he says, not my will, but your will be done. Um, his emotions play into these things, but his emotions stem out of his holy character, never the other way around. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to... Um, really kind of think about the fact of, of God's character in there. First, you know, his character is, is one of love. Like John says, God is love. Mm -hmm. That is at the root of who he is. Mm -hmm. Everything he does, whether it's acting in his anger or acting in his justice or acting in his kindness, it's done out of love. And um, he made a covenant of love with his people. And to break that covenant would be going against his own character. Mm -hmm. And so you have this, these times of judgment, like obviously Israel's sin led them to be taken away to Babylon. Mm -hmm. That was a time of judgment for them. But that was really a time, not of God's unloving character, mm -hmm. but of his love being so strong that like a father, he had to discipline his child when right. they went astray. Which is where, side note, Jeremiah 29, 11 came out of. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, that's just, that's pretty much what I want to say is that God will always act within his character. Um, when we read it out of context, we can say, well, God's just an angry God. Mm-hmm. I don't want nothing to do with that God. Mm-hmm. But when we read it in the context of, no, he, his anger comes from his righteousness because he loves us so much. He wants us to be walking the path that is going to lead to life. Mm-hmm. And like any child, when they do something wrong, as a parent, we have to discipline them. Mm -hmm. Because we know if they keep acting like that, it's going to lead to their destruction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And God hates sin. Yeah. He hates what perverted his perfect creation. And I think that is clearly exampled in the sense that he went so far as to send Christ. Right. to die such a humiliating death. Right. Um, but you can't tell me that Christ on the cross was not feeling every single emotion, right. even abandonment. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, God, why have you forsaken me? Right. He quotes the psalmist right there, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I think the question is, you know, that, that's a decent foundation. I'm sure we could spend a lot more time oh, yeah. on, you know, fleshing this out. We'd encourage you, if you're watching, to flesh it out more mm-hmm. on your own. Absolutely. If anything, you know, getting your head and heart stuck in the Bible is a good place to be, whether you agree with us or not. Um, but I think we do want to ask the question of how do we understand our emotions practically? Right. You know, I've got some advice in the article, but the first question I want to ask you is, does this mean that our emotions should be ignored? Absolutely not. Why? Just blank statement. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there are there are people out there who yeah. say it's truth, truth, truth. Forget your emotions. Don't feel. You know, if you feel anything, then you know, truth, right. truth, truth. So I will be very quick to admit that I need a good cry at least once a week, <laughs> or else I'm going to get stuck. Mm. Um, and uh, I wish I'd discovered that truth earlier in my life. <laughs> um, no, I think in my, we'll just take this, my own recovery process from addiction to pornography back to where I am now. I have had to go through um, spiritual and moral inventories where I'm literally reflecting on an event or circumstance in my life asking why did I feel this way Mm -hmm. and then that opens up the door to being well I felt this way because this person said this to me or this person did this to me and this is how I responded and I got to kind of see my emotions play king and God instead of reason and truth you know Mm -hmm. and um, it has helped me start to view daily this idea of, okay, I'm starting to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. And then, is that a good feeling? Is this a bad feeling? Or what is the proper way to feel this and what is not a proper way, you know? Right. Um, and are my emotions in alignment? So, yeah. So, if God tells me, for instance, that I am loved and accepted and uh, significant, and there's scripture we can we can spend all day diving into the scriptures that that back that those three statements up mm-hmm. but if i'm believing that and someone and for instance maybe i'm just passed up at work for a promotion uh, you just got one congratulations um and uh my emotions might be telling me i'm not good enough mm-hmm. or i'm not appreciated Mm -hmm. But then I look at the truth of what God says, 
and I say, okay, I know no matter what this work says, I am this. Mm -hmm. So how can I realize that, okay, maybe God has something better for me. And if I trust him in what he says I am, then I know that I'm going to, I'm still doing what I'm doing. I'm doing it good. Mm -hmm. And if I don't think I'm doing it good, I have the ability to go to you know, supervisors and say, Hey, is there something I can be doing better? Mm -hmm. Rational thoughts, right? I'm still feeling those emotions, but I'm instead deciding to act upon them in ways that are using reason and truth mm -hmm. and not going all off on some crazy like tangent tangent yeah does that make sense yep yeah and i'm a big proponent for mental health right because we need to just set the record straight our brains our organs housed within a uh, dying body right you know uh, our brains were not miraculously saved from the fall of sin um, you know and sin's effects are creation wide right right there was no death period before the fall so everything lived in harmony everything had life it was good but then when sin entered in it destroyed or began this process of destruction that's why God says I am creating a new creation right and there will be a new heaven and a new earth God will redeem and restore so to lay that out there so when it comes to our emotions uh, they are centered within our soul our mm -hmm. heart and then in our head and so um, I don't believe emotions should be ignored yeah uh, I've come to the conclusion that our emotions we need to figure out where they're coming from like yeah. you said um, analyze and um, weigh them against scripture. Right. The problem is when that last half of that formula is ignored, right. uh, or we fall into places, because I've done this, we all have, where we don't care right. about what the word says. I just wanna feel what I feel. Right. I just wanna be angry. I'm justified in my anger. I'm, uh, I'm justified in my sadness. I'm justified in believing that God has lied to me. Right. Um, you know, so of course, that's when we fall into um, waywardness. And ultimately, where Christ does come alongside of us, mm -hmm. you know, Hebrews says that he is not a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but has in every way been <clears throat> tested and was without sin. Yeah. And so this is the beauty of Christ, right? In these dark, hard, horrible places, Jesus does not shy away. Jesus does not remain distant. He actually comes alongside right. and says, I've been there. I understand but here. Yeah. And even when we're not trusting the truth, he is gracious and faithful enough to remind us of the truth and to continue walking with us. Yes, he doesn't he doesn't leave us even when we are completely ignoring him or putting in our, you know, earbuds to tune him out. Right. Um I think, you know, as you were talking about that, the scripture that came to my mind was the, the Jesus dialogue in Matthew when he talks about um his burden is light. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Take take my yoke upon yourself. Come and, to me, all um, who are weary. All who are weary, right? So, one thing I love about um, the, the illustration of the yoke, right, mm -hmm. is in in times when they actually used ox to to mm -hmm. plow the fields, mm -hmm. um, they would take a old sturdy ox who's been experienced in this for years, and they would pair them up with a young restless stubborn ox who doesn't know how to do anything well if you just put that young ox on a plow 
they're gonna yeah. because they're getting distracted by everything they see they, they're stubborn they want to do what they want to do you're not gonna have straight lines mm -hmm. and you're not gonna have good planting crops at all because you know it's such terrible plowing mm -hmm. but you put an old sturdy ox who's been doing it for years they know how to walk a straight line mm -hmm. and they know how to keep a pace that keeps them uh, well maintained mm -hmm. so they're not like exhausted at the end um, the yoke keeps those two together. Mm, yeah. So you'll have that sturdy ox and you'll have that young ox and he's gonna constantly fighting but he can't move. Mm -hmm. he's, he's stuck there because that old ox is keeping him right. in, in alignment. And that's the picture Jesus gives. It's like, I know you're tired. I know you're feeling these, these kinds of ways. Um, but if you literally lock in with me I will pull you straight and steady mm -hmm. and you will find rest in that because right. the burden's now on me right keeping you straight yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a beautiful picture yeah and Jesus promised you said uh, well in the New Testament says he who has begun a good work in you mm -hmm. will can finish yep. it and so I think um, I, I have four practical ways I mean the first is like hey if you have not submitted your life wholly to Christ, that's right. step number one. Yes. Whether you are like whether you have never trusted in Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Like you're hearing this message for a reason. The Lord is trying to get a hold of your hearts. Even in this conversation, the Lord is reminding me of things that He's working on in me. Right. So whether you have not trusted in Christ, whether you are not trusting in Christ uh, right now, submit your life to Christ. Admit that you're sinful, in desperate need of a savior, um, and determine to live your life in accordance with scripture. Um, Submission, though, is a little more difficult than just the word, you gotta submit. Yeah. I hear people tell me all the time, you gotta surrender, bro, you gotta surrender. Yeah, um, yeah, that's easy to say. Mm -hmm. But the act of doing that actually requires you to dig into your emotions Yeah, and yeah. figure out why you're not submitting mm -hmm. and what it actually to submit this to the Lord yeah because I mean that's such a broad statement submit mm -hmm. um, and he, yeah I can say okay God I surrender this I can say the words but unless I've dug into the emotions of what I'm feeling why I'm feeling it and understand that I can't subject that to truth yet. Mm -hmm. yeah and you're not saying hey get it figured out before you come to Christ right there is a way to come to Christ and just say this is who I am like he did not say come to me all who have it figured out and are already there and I will give you rest He says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest right and so it's not a we need to figure this out first and then come to Christ he wants us as we are he is not going to be content leaving us that way and so and that's a great part of the process right. of analyzing and continually laying at uh, laying it at the feet of Jesus and secondly we trust in who God is despite what we feel mm -hmm. and how do we know who God is we read the word yeah we have to we have to know the word I said it in the young adult group a couple weeks ago I said uh, knowledge without love is vanity right first right. Corinthians mm -hmm. uh, you have knowledge without love you're a banging symbol right but <clears throat> love without knowledge is useless because you don't know where you're working to or where you're going right um and so you have to couple those two together it's not a foregoing of the emotions it's not an ignoring of the emotions it's saying i feel this way but this is what god says are are they in agreement 
or is something disagreeing and then we have the choice of well what side am I aligning myself right. to yeah <laughs> and you know scripture is is obviously the foundation of where we get what God says mm-hmm. um, but if we're looking around in our life and our experiences uh, even in hindsight if we view it through the lens the right lens of scripture everything that has happened to us will be confirmed or will be confirming what scripture says Mm -hmm. you know even in my darkest times of addiction um, God was working he was right there beside me he was fulfilling his promises to me he was leading me in ways that were affirming what he says in scripture Mm -hmm. Um, I could have easily looked at all those moments in a self-deprecating lens and just woe is me woe is me and not Mm -hmm. see God God's hand at work so I think you know um, life experience informs or not informs confirms scripture Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and then in those moments, number three, we trust in what God says, despite right. how we feel. And again, we don't know what He says unless we've read what He says. Right. Yep. Um, you know, we don't rely on our emotions to tell us what we think God says. Now, what does the Word say God has said? Right. Uh, and go from there. And then this last one, because those are kind of hand in hand, but yep. this last one, uh, in my article, I say we trust in God's promises despite mm-hmm. our feelings. Yep. I was corrected on this. Okay. I would like to correct myself. That's a good... And we do trust in God's promises, but it uh, we trust in what God says and we trust in God's promises are the same thing. Right. That's, so they, uh, the correction was, uh, we trust in God's finished work mm. despite how we feel. His faithfulness. Right. Yeah. What he has done and then, yes, what he said he will do. do. Yeah. Uh, because essentially, you know, and this goes back to the beginning of the conversation of joy. Mm-hmm. Where do we get joy from? How can you be sad and sorrowful and yet still find peace? Right. Well, what are we looking towards? What are we hoping yeah. for? And it's not this, well, my life is going to get better and I'm going to feel good one day. It's right. our heavenly home that we are going to where the Bible says everything will be made right. It will be a new creation. Tears will be washed away. There will be no more death. Everything will be as it was supposed to be. Right. May not be today may not it might be tomorrow um you know but nonetheless that day is coming yeah that day is coming thank the lord things will be restored and redeemed and so uh we trust in god's finished work because christ on the cross died and crucified guarantees yeah that that is coming yeah um i want to speak a little bit though on what god says slash his promises Mm -hmm. we can get into ways of thinking that we think God has promised us something that he hasn't actually promised. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is another tactic of the devil um, to confuse us. Uh, So I think there's certain things we need to to understand is do we recognize our shepherd's voice? Yeah. Um, Because there's obviously there's the written word which doesn't necessarily have individual promises for me like things that are pertaining to my life specifically but it has the broad strokes of promises that he gives to all his children right and then there's the is it the rhema the, the spoken yeah. word over us right um so for instance there's been many times i've heard god tell me certain things and most of those have not 
come about yet or have not come about in the way I was expecting so I might not recognize them mm. right um, but I still have I still believe they're going to come about um, I think for for one I've seen this in people um, and even myself um, you know I do believe that God has given me a a desire to be a father and to be a husband. Mm -hmm. Well, in my current circumstance, I'm able to be neither. Sure. But I have a personal belief that God has promised those things to me because he's put those in my heart to do. Mm -hmm. um, but he's never told me how that's going to play about, mm -hmm. right? So, for instance, um, you know, if, if a relationship ends, that you were hopeful, I was hopeful about, mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden I can view that as, um, you know, like God's promised me that, so it's going to happen. It's going to work out, sure. you know, but really God never promised me that relationship. Mm. Um, he's promised me though a future time when he's going to fulfill a desire in my heart. Mm. So it's, it's recognizing God's voice. And having the discernment to know that um, what you want to be the fulfillment of God's promise or what God says is not necessarily mm -hmm. how God's going to fulfill that. Does that make sure. sense? It does. And my only question is, you know, what if he doesn't? Yeah. You know, because I think that's also where we can go astray yeah. is where in your personal example, you know, and he very may well, we don't have the foresight to know uh, right. how or if, but you know, what if he doesn't? Right. What if those promises aren't fulfilled? You know, do, does that shake our faith? Right. It's, it's the whole problem with the prosperity gospel and saying that, well, if only you believe it, if only you name it, you proclaim it. Uh, if you do, if you give me money, then God will bless you. That kind of a thing. Right. Uh, the horrific detriment to people's faith is when, or if God does not fulfill what somebody told them yes. he would fulfill. Or what they think is their promise. Exactly. Um, and so for me, like I've had to remind myself, okay, being a father, the desire to be a father and a promise to be a father does not necessarily play out or have to play out of me being a physical dad. Like I can be a father to any, I can be a father figure mm -hmm. to anyone's kids or sure. to any person, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I just look at the relationships I have in my life now and there are people that I've been able to mentor like a father would mentor, mm -hmm. um, but they're not my kids. Dad. Son. Was <laughs> <laughs> it Toy Story 2? <laughs> um, you know, and like, um, or, you know, what if, what if that father figure is more of like future down when my children have children, I can be that grandfatherly mm -hmm. figure, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, right. so it's like, it's the realization that, yeah, God has given me a promise to be able to do this, but is it going to play out the way that I think mm -hmm. or that someone has told me it's going to play right. out? Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to learn the voice of our shepherd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to close by re just reading the last little bit before before I do that. Do you have any closing thoughts? Any other final? No, I, I actually love that last um, paragraph you have in there. Okay. So read it, and um, I think we've... we've 
we've tackled a lot here today, so. Yeah, well, just to remind anyone who's watching what we've discussed, number one, first you gotta understand God is a God of emotions. Yes. God created us in his image, therefore with emotions. Uh, number three, God always prioritizes his holy character and truth over the emotions. Right. And lastly, you know, we, we must do the same. Yeah. We must align ourselves with that um, and, and trust in God. And so this is what the last paragraph says. It says, the way we navigate our emotions and de determine truth is simple. We compare our emotions to the truth and rehearse who God is, what he has said, and what he has promised he will do. Do you feel like God is unjust and unworthy? Read Psalm 92.15 and be filled with faith. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Do you feel like God has abandoned you? Read Deuteronomy 31.8 and be comforted. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do you feel like you are incapable of being forgiven by God? Read John 3.16 and be renewed by his grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. A life of trusting the truth, regardless of our feelings, is a life of submission to God, repentance when we fall short, and rehearsing the truth to our wayward hearts minute by minute, hour by hour, tragedy by tragedy, and triumph by triumph. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling emotional. I'm kind of tearing up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, you want to see two grown men? Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm waiting Thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope that you were encouraged, challenged. Um, even if you don't necessarily agree with us, we would uh, challenge you to you know, get into the word or leave a comment and let us know what yeah. we got wrong. We'd love to have a dialogue. Uh, yep, let's have a conversation and uh, we really appreciate uh, your support. Again, hope the Lord blessed you, he blessed me. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Go feel it. Go. Go out and feel something. Go have a stroke. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah.